having a beer after a hard day's work once meant putting up with a six o'clock swill. The swill is not only unpleasant, it's also dangerous. Those who like beer, and surprisingly, it's still legal to like it. South Australia joins all other states in abandoning the six o'clock swill. You're listening to the Six O'Clock Swill with Tim Blair and Nick Cater, pioneers in the more respectful, kinder and civilised political conversation the Australian Prime Minister is calling for. This week, as Queen Elizabeth celebrates 70 years on the throne, Australian Prime Minister Anthony Albanese warns that her days are numbered, announcing a push for a republic as the party's next symbolic crusade but one. Uh, we look to the future of the Me Too movement after a court rules that Amber Heard is a malicious liar as she loses her defamation duel with former husband Johnny Depp. And as an icy winter blast sweeps through Australia, sending energy prices through the roof, The Guardian calls on the government to build bigger batteries. Tim, welcome you. You're a bit cold up there on the central coast, I gather. Yes, it's, uh, it's very chilly. But, you know, as you said... The political mood is, is, is light and sunny. All is bright and golden <laughs> under, under Prime Minister Albanese. And of course, I'm in, I'll never tire of saying this, I live in a bellwether seat, which is why the property values here are so high. And we went, uh, we went Labour up here after two terms of uh, coalition under Lucy Wicks. And uh, you can just feel the happiness in the air, not. <laughs> There's a sort of completely new environment, isn't it, with the Labour government. It's slightly odd to see Anthony Albanese standing up there in the Prime Minister's podium, but I guess we'll get used to that in time. It must be what happens after every strange election. But there he is. There he is. Uh, I, I thought, um, good on him. I mean, first of all, he announces that he's going to have an assistant minister for a republic. So assistant minister whose job is to unseat the Queen, her heirs and successors. And then there he was on Thursday, bravely getting out there, paying a less than heartfelt tribute to Her Majesty. Should we have a listen? Yeah, why not? Australians hold Queen Elizabeth in respect and affection, even as the bond between our nations is no longer what it was at the dawn of her reign. No longer parent and young upstart, we stand as equals. More importantly, we stand as friends. The Queen has been a good friend to Australia. In joyous moments like this one and through our darkest days of trouble and trial. Her Majesty has crossed the world to visit us 16 times, always to an ecstatic welcome. So much emotion in that voice, always <laughs> to an ecstatic welcome. It's hard for him, isn't it? I mean, he's, he's been dedicated all his life to getting rid of the old 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 Queen and, and there he is having to sort of, as Prime Minister, at least pay some respects. It's funny that during the campaign, they, there was no talk of the Republic at all. In fact, uh, uh, Labor indicated that their their uh, symbolic waste of time proposal was all about the uh, voice to Parliament, and that uh, mm, the Republic mm. wasn't going to be on the um, wasn't going to be on the agenda for at least the first term. I, lo I love, by the way, that, that Labor keeps saying first term as though it's not going to be the only term, but. They indicated that they were going to go all deep in the in the, the voice to parliament, and then we've got an assistant minister for the republic, which presumably be the easiest job in the world on account of 
if they're not going to push for it, what's, what's this dude going to do? Thistle Thwaite, or whatever his name is, Matt, the member for yeah. Kingsford Smith. Yeah. He's, um, it's a pretty cushy job. It's like being yeah. the minister for gravity yeah. and just sort of, you know, what do you do? Just hang around, you know. <laughs> yeah, except we do actually have gravity. We don't actually have a republic. Uh, nanoparticles that haven't been discovered yet, something like that. That would be a nice little gig. I think they're banking on the Queen, you know, shuffling off her mortar coil sometime in the next three years so they can get on with the Republic. Prince Charles, I suspect, might be a slightly easier proposition to knock off. I'm not so sure about that. But, um, you know, because it's the old problem, isn't it, Tim? You can ask people, do you want a Republic? Or, as they like to put it, do you want an Australian as yeah. head of state? And, um, you know, by and large, you might get 55% on a good day, say yeah. yes. Uh, but until you get to the point of, okay, well, with a republic, you, you have to have a sort of president, really. Um, that's You've got to have one. Who will it be? And uh, that's when the whole thing falls apart, I think, seems to me. It was interesting. Well, interesting is the wrong word because we're talking about the republic. But it's notable that... Um, a few months prior to Shane Warne's passing, the chairman of the Australian Republican movement, that guy who wears a handkerchief on his head, said that uh, they'd specifically designed a model that would prevent Shane Warne from becoming president. H how is that? How, he, he's Australian, right, Shane Warne? He was. Uh, yeah, was yeah. Very Australian. And they mm. thought it was a point of pride because these people were terrible snobs. It's also... Notable, I guess, that the only issue that uh, rouses these people's um, nationalism and pride in the country is an attempt to separate it from its past. They really don't yeah, like yeah. themselves, do they? Well, they don't. They don't. It's a real underlying self-loathing there. And I, I, that's where they lost me, though. I mean, I think Shane Warne's just the sort of president we should have had. Unfortunately, he's now passed. We won't get him, but I couldn't think of a better... Well, yeah, and also when they, they talk about how the president will function, they say, well, you'll basically be symbolic and won't do anything. He or she, I should, I should say. Or 97 exactly. gender possibly. Well, isn't that what we want, isn't it? And it's someone who won't do anything and so on. So why is anyone disqualified? Why do you need someone of a certain, you know, and they're going to, and also their model calls for campaigning. Like, I will do nothing better than that guy. I've, I mean, I can put my hand up. I'm very good at doing nothing. I've proved it. I prove it week in, week out. I could be your first president. Do we, actually, do we actually need a human being? You know, if they're not going to do anything, couldn't it be a fence post or something like that? Well, we've previously had proposed on this very podcast that it be Ayers Rock, which or Uluru, which would be a tremendous yeah, Governor-General. Right. Huge, immobile, mm. uh, uh, indifferent to generations of humankind, and um, is going to be here long after we're not. Australia doesn't have a great record of passing referendum which is what you'd need for this. Any change to the Constitution obviously requires a referendum. Albanese, though, is, uh, he's got two on the books now. He's got the voice, this idea of an Aboriginal voice to Parliament. I kind of thought that's redundant, really, after the last election. I gather, what, 10? 10 Indigenous people or people identifying as Indigenous have been elected to the Parliament, Yeah, which is... Um, uh, a larger proportion than the, the, the proportion in the general population. There we have it. There are surely the voices to Parliament. I, I really don't get why we need something extra, but I guess that makes me 
an old white supremacist or something similar. What? Um, why is it just a singular voice? It, there'll be multiple people involved, presumably. So why is it assumed mm. they'll speak as one? That seems to be diminishing these people's capacity for independent thought, doesn't it? Also, given the number of Indigenous Australians who are now in the real parliament, we could end up in a circumstance very easily, I think, where an Indigenous member of parliament might propose legislation or support legislation that is opposed by the voice, which the more you say it sounds more Orwellian by the second, doesn't it? Sorry, I can't proceed with that. The voice says no. It sounds slightly psychotic as well to me, but... And Farnham, We should be careful, Tim. I mean, the Pope now has endorsed the Uluru Statement, so it's got that sort of status behind it. He's never even climbed Uluru. (laughs) What's he sticking his mitre in this for? He would have done in his younger days. Don't throw your Pope hat in the ring if you've got no, you know, you haven't had your foot on the ground out near Uluru. What worries me about this, you get the impression that, that we're about to be steamrolled, you know, get all these authoritative-sounding people behind it, and then um, only Shane Warne would oppose such a venture. You know, I mean, it, 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 takes, it takes on a life of its own after a while, doesn't it? I think that's where they're going. It's the old steamroller trick. Somehow I'm not sure it's going to work quite as successfully in this. Anyway, good luck. Two referendums, two referendums, this, this term of government, if we're what we're told is correct. But meanwhile, he's got a few other problems to deal with, notably the, the energy crisis. Tim, just two weeks ago, we were about to go to the polls and Anthony Albanese was holding up his carrot. You know, if you vote for us, we will reduce electricity prices by $275 in our first term. There we go, first term again. He was asked, you know, well, how come you can be so specific? 275, you know, why not 274 or 276? Oh, oh, well, he said we have the modelling. We have perfect modelling on this, which tells us what it'll be. Has it been endorsed by the Pope yet, or is it still unofficial modelling? We've got to get uh, <laughs> got to get some papal support for the modelling. All hail the modelling. <laughs> I think so. I think so. But anyway, here we are, two weeks, less than two weeks into the government, rain and we have this icy blast come up there's a a global shortage of coal and gas i don't know quite why that should affect us because we're sitting on just loads of the stuff like you know but anyway energy prices go through the roof and gas prices go from ten dollars a kilojoule to about 800 billion (laughs) dollars a kilojoule in five minutes (laughs) it's not an auspicious start is it really You've you've got some of the smaller energy retailers, Nick. They're not only pleading with their customers to to quit their deals with them and find someone else who might might give them a a small benefit financially because these smaller retailers are saying, power retailers are saying, your bills are going to double. I mean, they're already high. They're going to double. But so for the love of God, get out now while you can. We're going to put our company in hiatus. It's just going to be, we'll just... Or, or close up entirely. Uh, one company is actually giving one hundred dollar incentives to customers to go away. That's where we're at <laughs> now. This actually ties together with uh, stuff about the Republican, the Voice, and so on. Why on earth would anyone support an extension of political power, a broadening and a deepening of political power in this country? When our politicians have turned a country 
with massive reserves of coal, uranium and gas. Mm. Mm. Politicians have turned a country with all of those benefits, all of those assets, into a place that's suffering an energy crisis. This, this should never make sense. This is insane. This is like, I mean, you go to Kuwait or Venezuela, places that are rich in oil. Petrol costs yeah. a few cents a litre. It never varies. I mean, I've been to, been to Kuwait. You, you drive around there looking for a petrol station. They don't have any signs out, you know, and I bought a bunch of fuel and asked the guy behind the counter, why don't you have a sign up with the price? He said, because it never changes. And then I saw I gave him 20 cents for a whole tank's worth and uh, went on my way. It's as if you go to New Zealand to discover they've run out of milk. Yeah, you know, yeah. You know. I'm sorry, you've got to have your tea black. We're out of milk. I mean, the places of Saudi Arabia are milk. You go to Auckland and ask, why is everyone wearing these polyester shirts? They are, it's the great wool shortage, mate. It's been going on for months. <laughs> can't get wool for some reason. Can't get the sheep. Just can't yeah. get the sheep. Or can't get the sheep to sit still. You can get sheep on Tinder in New Zealand. does take an amazing special genius. Because it's a big thing now, isn't it? Supply chain shortages. That's the big thing. Everything's supply chain shortage. Usually something to do with Vladimir Putin for some odd reason. But that's what we have now. We've got the classic supply chain shortage. You've got coal-fired power stations saying they can't step up production because they don't they've run out of coal in australia they've run out of coal but, but in australia in australia there's no chain we've just got supply there's no there's no linking sort of bits and pieces mm. we've just got all the stuff right here as you said before we're sitting on this wealth of energy and resources where's the chain we've, we've had to invent one to screw things up there's literally no chain involved and if we want to trust the people who've engineered this outcome with additional powers, potentially under a, in, in a republic vastly expanded powers, it's one of the more alarming aspects about the proposed republic, we want to trust these people with setting something up like that when they, they turn a river of gold into a dry creek bed? Six weeks ago, just a little as six weeks ago, the then Energy Minister, Angus Taylor, warned that Australia could be facing a European-style energy crisis. Uh, we, we need to act on the warnings that are coming from Europe because there's not enough investment in gas. We're going to run out of gas, he said. The Guardian's headline was, it's nonsense for Angus Taylor to suggest Australia could face an energy crisis like Europe's. Well, here we are, six weeks later, we've got one. Um, no apology in The Guardian, though. Instead, there was an article this week that suggested that the solution to this crisis was for the government to invest $20 billion in batteries. Double A? It, it didn't say. It didn't say, but it, it, it'd be a lot of double A batteries, that's for sure. But I don't know that's really going to get us through this, do you? Well, The Guardian's latest notable question, they're asking in their, in their coverage of the energy crisis, if there's so many new renewable components in energy, Australia's energy supply, why is power suddenly more expensive? I wonder. Like, come on, when the answer's right there in the question, kids, read, read again the question, you know, work out what it's telling you. These people are, you know, God bless them, you know, and, and thank you, Malcolm Turnbull, for kicking off the uh, project that became Guardian Australia, because that's given me so much material for so many years, and I think... Under under Labor governments, Guardian Australia is is, is so much more of a, of a resource for the likes of 
you and I, Nick. We'll, we'll be having a lot of fun with those uh, with those babies. Yes, we will. I, I just want to have a look, Tim, at, at energy targets. Everybody's got their energy target, right? So the coalition said 26 to 28%, which is apparently what we needed to do to meet our Paris Accord. And we were about to, you know, we were, we were cruising home to that one. That's not a big deal for us, unlike some other countries in the world. Labor got knocked around a bit last time when it said 45%. Somebody pointed out this would mean huge losses of jobs. So they pulled it back to 43. Uh, a number of ideas came out of the hat. Uh, the Greens, of course, are 43 is nowhere near good enough. They want 75% emissions cuts by 2030. And then come the Teals. They, they sort of pitch themselves in the middle of the market. They go... 50 to 60%. It's a bit like cars, isn't it? It's almost like the Audi offering, isn't it? So we're not, you know, we're, 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 we're not a Ford, we're certainly not a Kia, but we're not sort of flash and blingy like a Maserati. You know, we're, <laughs> yeah. we're coming in just there in the middle of the market at, at, at 50%. That's about right, isn't it? All these numbers are just plucked out of the air, it seems to me, but they have real world consequences as we're seeing right now. Well, that's the difference between uh, normal people and the teals, real-world consequences. And your teals, almost all of them, um, let's just say that they're sufficiently financially protected that um, doubling their electricity bills won't be a lifestyle hindrance. Whereas for a lot of ordinary Australians, good Australians, doubling electricity bills means a choice between heating and eating. I wouldn't be like to be... Um, wouldn't like to be on a marginal salary or in a, on a fixed income yeah, over the next six mm. to 12 months. It's, it's going to be a very ugly ride. Yeah, well, it's interesting you should raise that. These are luxury policies, aren't they? Because they can afford luxury policies. I had a look at the difference between Paddington. So Paddington in inner city, Sydney, had a very large vote for Teals. I think 47% voted for the Teal candidate. Mm. I, think, I was just amazed at the wealth of people in Paddington. 55% of people in Paddington earn more than 200000 a year. Mm. Did that just astound you? Well, to be fair, Nick, to be fair, these people do have to support massive cocaine habits, so give them a break. Oh, that, yeah, that's true. That's true. It's not as if they're banking all that money. They've got to keep a number of dealers employed. They've got to keep their local community... Uh, um, community outreach centres to uh, Venezuela uh, up and running. It's a, a bit of a challenge for a lot of people in the eastern suburbs, isn't it? That's the, that's the cost of living for you, isn't it? It's biting. Only a quarter of them have got mortgages, though, so they're okay. More people own their house outright than have mortgages, and about half of them are paying rent, and um, there's lots of single people there. And so, so they're arguing, let's you know, we, 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 let's send energy prices sky high. We don't care. We've got to cut emissions. You then go to Cranebrook, which is um, out there near, near Penrith in the seat of Lindsay. Mm -hmm. Completely different picture. Half of households trying to survive on less than 100000 a year, mm -hmm. and they're serving a mortgage. Four out of five need a car to get to work. It's only two out of five in Paddington. And, of course, it's colder out there, right? You're further inland. You don't get that sort of ameliorating sea breeze and water around you. So that's what's happening, isn't it? These yeah. people that have got plenty of money 
they're not worried. They probably wouldn't even look at their electricity bill. It's probably just played automatically off their Amex card. They're the ones dictating the policy, and it's the the rest of the country that's got to pay for it. It's all looking <laughs> a bit 18th century France, isn't it? It is. We, we should ask this. We should it maybe is. get one of these teals or greens on. I noticed the, the young chap who um, defeated Labor's Terry Butler in, in Queensland. He's a he's a got a BA, which qualifies him to talk about energy, and uh, but it's a BA in history with honours. So we, we could ask him maybe: Have there been moments in history when there's been a huge divide between the wealthy and the common citizen, and how did that end up, young man who's got a hyphenated surname? I'd like to know his view on that. The Greens, they're they're a funny bunch because there's a lot of old Marxist kind of, you know, class warriors in the Greens. And then they've got their environmental wing, which is kind of shrinks and expands given who, whichever direction the Greens are going in a given era. Mm. But uh, it's like they've thrown their class um, class solidarity with the workers. That's, that's been gone for a long, long time, mate. Labour is the party of the workers. God, you're going back a long way now. Yeah. Before my time, Tim, I don't recall that. Albanese, there's only one less convincing acting performance this week, and that's got to be Amber Heard, hasn't it? You know, lost her defamation trial against Johnny Depp. She sounded so convincing. I I just got a a grab of her at the witness stand. He got next to my ear, and he was screaming over and over and over again. Each time it sounded louder and more desperate. I hate you. I hate you. I hate you over and over hate you and then pounding the back of my head pounding it with his fist and I don't even remember feeling pain I just could hear myself scream until I couldn't hear myself anymore so the proposition Tim is no no corroborating evidence whatsoever. Uh, her word is supposed to be enough, you know, under the new doctrine of Me Too. You know, yeah. listen, listen. Women should be listened to. She's a victim. She says she's a victim, and look, most of the time that just seems to be accepted as as just the way it is. But of course, what we've seen in the, in this court case in the United States is is this her allegations tested yeah. by a, by a proper court and uh, found to be. Malicious lies, I think it was the verdict, wasn't it? Yeah, there was malice. Um, uh, malice, yeah. 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 Well, of course, women should be listened to. All, all In all criminal matters, all allegations, everyone should be listened to. But the blanket idea behind me too was that all women are always to be believed when they make accusations uh, against men. Now, this can never be the case. It's always got to be a case-by-case example, uh, case-by-case study. So mm. you'll have some women will tell believable and genuine stories supported by evidence, and they'll justifiably win their cases. And then you've got Amber Heard, who, by the way, was married to Johnny Depp for 15 apparently very combative months, just 15 months, mm. got 7 million bucks in her divorce settlement, 
and now has lost 10 million bucks <laughs> to her ex-husband. You know, the sound you're hearing right now is, uh, is divorced men around the world stamping and cheering. But, yeah, I don't think she's played a great game here. She could have walked away with the $7 million for 15 months of apparently unha- unhappy union with, uh, with Depp and, and then resumed her acting career. Now she's, um, she's gonna, it's going to be pretty marginal if she can cover it. It looks like she probably will. You know, it's likely the amount will be reduced on appeal, which is a fairly standard sort of thing. And, and, yeah. uh, and of course, she won $2 million against Depp in a, 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 a parallel defamation case, so there's that. But you know she's definitely going to be out of pocket. Also, why aren't the Washington Post and the ACLU, the Civil Liberties Union, the ACLU co-wrote that stuff with Heard that was published yeah, in the Washington yeah. Post that sure. led to this defamation trial? Why isn't the Washington Post on the hook again, as they were with, say, the Covington boy, when uh, when they published that uh, you know, the the kid who uh, sneered at a beloved Native American, and it turns out that the Native American had approached the kid rather than the other way around, and uh, he peeled a few yeah. mil off them. Washington yeah. Post doesn't, they're not running very well. No, they, they don't, fake news again, but of course it never, it never seems to come back to haunt them, um, except in this case, of course, this was pretty humiliating, I would have thought, but look, I, I don't have a, I really warmed to Depp during the trial. Did you? you know? Not particularly. There were a, a few moments where he drew admiring sort of laughter from the jury and so on. He, he, um, but yeah, it, it, I guess full marks to him for being prepared to reveal the details of what's a fairly shambolic life in order to yeah. prove a point. But uh, yeah, uh, the drinking, the drugs, the fact that he's a friend of Marilyn Manson's, that's that's a creepy. Although again, he, he did have a, he did have a winning line with that when he was asked about uh, giving Marilyn Manson certain drugs at a particular point, and he was asked why he did that, and he said, "I thought it might stop him talking," <laughs> which is good. <laughs> you can't argue with that. Well, it's like the, uh, it's it has similarities, I think, with the Justin Smollett case, yes. uh, in that this is a, a woke claim which comes unstuck under the glare of of the courts and look um you know i'm not i'm we, we're not in favor of a uh, you know of a of a litigious world in which everybody sues everybody at the drop of a hat but uh i think it's in these two cases it's been necessary to work these things out through the court of law because normally they don't do that i mean you were talking last week about your travails with the press council yes i mean the press council would be much easier to deal with if it was actually working under normal you know, legislative, you know, judicial rules. You could challenge the judgment. You knew where you were. You knew what the, uh, you know, the rules of evidence were. But because they're, they're not working like that. They're kangaroo courts. So um, they go off on their own, follies of their own. If she doesn't pay, of course, they'll end up back in court, which um, some have argued might be what she wants because she's plainly a little bit obsessive. And uh, this could be just, you know, volume one of a trilogy, perhaps. The herd dip years it could go on for a long time. Well, I hope so. I gather it's been a huge rating success. The trial, you know, people were watching it avidly. People were going back and replaying highlights. Um, <laughs> so, you know, Netflix should surely grab hold of it and sponsor it. Well, now that Netflix is looking for non-woke content, absolutely. Um, 
it is funny, isn't it? Netflix has turned around on a dime. They were, they were, they were so woke. Just, just, they were woke weeks ago. Now they're anti woke, and as, as we were talking the other day, they're telling their staff off if they get if they get aggro about it. But everyone at Netflix, and of course everyone in certain communities everywhere, should be exultant at the moment because it is Pride Month. Yes. There's some pushback against Pride Month too. It used to be Gay Pride Month, right? Or Gay Pride Day or Gay Pride Week, whatever it is, whatever period it's like. Mm. No, it's just Pride. Now it's Pride because gay wasn't inclusive enough. So does that include us? We can be we can be part of Pride Week. We can be. Well, no, no, I'm not. I'm not, I'm not proud of who we are. I don't go for Pride, but uh, I'm up for Sloth Week or Gluttony Week or any other seven deadly sins of seven deadly sin weeks or months. That'd be terrific, wouldn't it? Like, pride is a terrible thing. And uh, I don't know why we're condemning all these people to an eternal flaming afterlife. But it seems to, that's the go. It was, it was fascinating to watch all the corporations jumping onto the pride wagon. Um, automotive manufacturers, Mercedes and Porsche, with their uh, domestic Twitter accounts or their US Twitter accounts. Everything was in the rainbow colours. Hooray! Pride! But uh, if you looked at their accounts in Saudi Arabia, for example, uh, no. no, no pride. They were no. they were they were ashamed, I suppose. So they didn't they didn't have any any pride colours, no rainbows, no nothing. Uh, so they're only their 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 pride is geographically limited. I, th- I think, though, I mean, there are encouraging signs, aren't there? The pushback is there now. It didn't used to be. Um, have a listen to um, Bill Maher. Broken down over time, the LGBT population of America seems to be roughly doubling every generation. According to a recent Gallup poll, less than 1% of Americans born before 1946, that's Joe Biden's generation, identify that way. 2.6% of boomers do, 4.2% of Gen X, 10.5% of millennials, and 20.8% of Gen Z. Which means if we follow this trajectory, we will all be gay in 2054. At which point we can actually ditch all of that and just refer to each other as people again, right? At what point does it cease to be, you know, something we have to celebrate and make a point of? And what point does it just simply become part of normal human behaviour, which I guess it should have been all along, don't you think? Um, yeah, yeah. Why do we celebrate diversity in just particular examples without celebrating the diversity of all humankind? And exactly. at which point, again, I, I, I say we just go back to referring to each other as people. And then there's no point at all holding a celebration for everyone, which would also be great. There'd be none of this uh, uh, promotion of certain groups over other groups. I mean... I'm, I'm not sure I've ever, I don't think there's ever been held, and it's surprising to me, cater months. So no, you, you must feel a bit let, let, let down, a bit yeah. marginalised. Yeah, yeah. No, it's a, it's a good good point. We should, we, should, we should try and fix one of those. But look, um, I, I do think, Tim, there's a, there is some healthy pushback now. So last week we listened to, we, we talked about Ricky Gervais and his comedy special where he just, I don't think he, He's unkind to LGBTQI transgender people, but he, you know, he just makes them the subject of humour. Yeah. And it sounded particularly unkind to humour to me, but just they are the subject of humour. Of course, there was a big 
um, reaction against that. It's called for him to be cancelled. But wait a minute, he hasn't been cancelled. He's in mainstream media. Um, we are, I think, gradually marginalising some of this lunacy, or am I being too optimistic? Well, I, I kind of share your hope. And again, I'm, I'm like Gervais, like yourself. i got nothing against your trans, nothing against any of your marginalised LGBTQs. But uh, I just don't like getting yelled at a lot, and I'd prefer to be able to write things that I want to write. That's basically it. Woke Toronto College forces students to sign waiver acknowledging how they benefited from the colonialization and genocide of indigenous people before they can enter a Zoom class. <laughs> okay. You know when you you know you go on and, and you have to sign, you know, they, they, you get about five pages of conditions every time you go on and then you have to tick it before you can pursue can carry on 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 you know many of these kind of IT platforms. Well, this is what you've got to sign if you want to go on a Zoom call at George Brown College. Mm -hmm. You have to sign in a statement that said, George Brown College has been a site of human activity since immemorial. This land is territory of the Huron-Wendat, Mississugas, and the Shinabi, and the Hudnaunskus. Oh, sorry, I probably verbaled that one. The territory is the subject of the Dish With One Spoon Wampum Belt Covenant an agreement between the Haudenazi Confederacy and the Confederacy for Yana Shiznebek and Allied Nations. And the, the, I've only just started there. There's about another five paragraphs about that. Maybe. And then before you can before you can proceed, you have to press the agree button. It's rather a mouthful, isn't it? The dish with one spoon, wampum belt covenant. How do you, where do you stand on the dish with one spoon, wampum belt covenant, Jim? Have you... Well, I don't think any dish needs more than one, one spoon. Uh, was there a, were there rival movements that were double spooners? Oh well, that we're not told. I assume the one spoon is one in, in whatever conflict occurred. I mean, yeah, you know, history is written by the victors. Go one spoon, I say. Yeah. I'm riding with the the victors. But you mentioned like that this contract or confession or whatever whatever its formal term is that there was some kind of hmm. you've got to acknowledge that you've profited from colonialism. Is that the case? Yeah. You've got to acknowledge that you profited from the transatlantic slavery trade. Do you have to? Uh, wouldn't you have to supply proof of this? Like you know, a faded old photograph of the last family slave, something like that. No, it just says by selecting "I agree," you are indicating your acknowledgement of the statement. Our intention is not to impose agreeance, but to inform through acknowledgement. What's this? What's that word? Agreeance? Is that a word? It's a the acknowledgement is to generate awareness and offer opportunities for personal reflection. <sighs> just, just. Uh, what, what about at the? How, anyway. What do you have to sign at the ABC before you sign on for a Zoom call? You know, a promise not to take your gear off. We, we, we do things relatively simple here, don't we? We just have, you know, welcome to country is a very simple statement compared to this. You know, I think I think just a tendency is for these things to get more complicated. And more complicated because in order to show that you really believe yeah. you profited from slavery you know you're not just saying you profited from slavery you actually really believe it deep down in your heart these things have to get it's um it's the written version i guess of not wanting to be the first person to stop applauding in a dictatorship when the big guys up there 
you know, makes his make his speeches and uh, everyone dutifully applauds and you you're the first to stop clapping, man. You're also the first to be dragged out and never seen again. Tim, uh, any more topics for discussion today or have we just about circled the world of woke and put it all in its box? Mate, I think we've wrapped it up. I did make some chicken wings that I'm eager to eat. Uh, I don't mean to uh, trigger you with uh, with frightening memories, <laughs> but uh, they're, they're a fine batch, <laughs> a fine batch of hot, tasty buffalo wings. I really got to have you uh, back over here soon, Nick, and we can try that again. I'll, I'll, I've got a milder version I can do now. I usually do that just for the just for the little ones, the children. But uh, I'm sure you can get through some of them. <laughs> <laughs> Child abuse, Tim. That is positive child abuse. <laughs> anyway, look, be, it would be great to catch up. Next week, I think we're going to be joined by rogue Senator Alex Antic. That'd be fun. And um, there'll be plenty more to discuss, plenty more woke nonsense, plenty more stumbles by the Albanese government, or perhaps not. Let's not prejudge Well, let, let's, uh, let's just consider how far this whole energy issue can go just before we sign off. At least one gas station in the U.S., is now charging more than $8 a gallon. Correct. Under Trump, two years ago, it was about $1.20 a gallon. So that's where those guys have headed. And as we've seen so many times throughout history, it happens in the UK, happens in the US, it comes here. So brace yourselves, everybody. Brace yourselves for three years of albonomics. And enjoy the Queen's Jubilee. God bless her. Good on you, Tim. Every American and LBJ is with Australia all the way. Australia is the best place in the world to bring up a family. But we will decide who comes to this country and the circumstances in which they come. Australia. Yeah!